0: Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling podcast featuring your host, Angela Harters. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime beginning with a conversation that can change the world today's episode of the peaceful world schooling podcast is brought to you by the book tales of a toxic teacher exposing the cycles of abuse within our schools written by angela harders in this book Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher is available for purchase on Amazon.com. The ebook and audiobook versions are also available for free to members of the Peaceful World Schooling community. If you are interested in becoming a member, just check out the membership link in the description below. Thank you so very much for supporting Angela and for helping to make the Peaceful World Schooling podcast freely available to all. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast, where we're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm your host, and today I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Molly Christensen. Molly Christensen is a joyful mother of seven amazing children. She earned her degree in mechanical engineering, and since then, she's found a great passion in being a mother and in homeschooling for the past 20 years. She's founded multiple homeschool co-ops, written mounds of curriculum, taught classes to youth and adults and she's also the owner of Building Heroes Academy, which offers a new way to educate and raise leaders in your home. She is the author of How to Get Everything Done, and she is passionate about sharing her love of learning and encouraging others on their journey to greatness. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. I am super excited to be here to chat with you and to um, get some good ideas flowing for your audience. And I'll tell you, this has been hard time coming for us to actually get together, so I'm excited to get to do this.
0: yes, me too. Um, Molly and I, we've been trying to to, get together for a while and we've had a couple hiccups in the road, um, including you also having COVID recently. I I know that you're still recovering from that. And so I thank you for being willing to be on here, even though you are just coming out of, of being sick. So thank you.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I might cough a little bit. I apologize because I have the lingering cough, but we're good. good. No worries. Uh
0: (laughs) That is totally fine. Um, But we're glad that you're feeling better. So all right. So to get us started today, can you just share a little bit, Molly, about you, your family, and your story? Yeah, for
1: sure. So I grew up in Utah. I moved there when I was eight, and I it's a beautiful state, gotta say. And um, I went off to college when I was seventeen, and I that's when I went and decided to major in the engineering and. Which, you know, looking back, I'm kind of like, why did I do that? But, (laughs) but, you know, my dad told me I'd like it and, you know, it worked out. So, but I never really worked in that area. So I like to say I just engineered my family because I ended up meeting my husband and getting married pretty young. And then um, we started having kids and I'll tell you that, uh, man, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And, and when, um, my oldest son was about four, I started getting this thought that I should homeschool him. And I, I thought, no way (laughs) I can never do that because that's crazy talk, you know? And I mean, for me, I would have been like, I'd rather do rocket science. Right. (laughs) So, um, you know, for some reason to me, it was just so intimidating thinking about teaching my own kids. So I didn't actually start homeschooling him until the first grade, because for two years, I had that in my heart that I should homeschool him. And I was like, no, I'm just too much of a mess. I'm too disorganized. I can't do this. (laughs) And so finally I started doing it, uh, homeschooling him in first grade. And I, um, let's just say for the first three weeks it was all right you know I I had all these amazing plans of what I was going to do with him and how he was going to be this genius except for what I didn't know is he was already a genius in his own right right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I did not have to make him do all this stuff that he did not want to do so after about three weeks um I we just both started getting into this phase where we were both crying every day because <laughs> it was not going to work out the way I had planned. And so I realized something had to change. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think a lot of homeschooling moms start off that way where we're copying public school. Cause that's what we know. Yeah. But it doesn't work in a home environment. And so I had to go on my own little journey to figure this out and from there I it started getting a lot better and over time I learned more and more things that made made it a lot more doable. Mm. So mm. that's kind of the the path that we took and now I'm like can't believe that I have a 27 year old who is amazing, by the way. So, and, and they all are. And um, um, yeah, <laughs> crazy. That's amazing. I, I feel like you
0: shared so much stuff that is so relatable to, I feel like every mom has that, that kind of fear. You know, you mentioned the fear of, I want to do this, but at the same time, I feel inadequate. I feel like I can't, um, like I'm not equipped. And how did you, navigate having those those feelings because I know that is a very real fear for some parents that they really have that fear that I want to homeschool, but I'm worried that like I'm too disorganized, I'm too much of a mess, I'm not, you know, whatever, enough. Um, all those lies that we tell ourselves. How did you navigate having those fears and insecurities when it came to homeschooling and overcome them?
1: And um, that's such a good question because yeah, it, it is part of the journey to, to figure that out. Yeah. And really, I'd love to say, oh, I, you know, did such a good job switching over, but no, it took me years to navigate. <laughs> and really, I, you know, I said I got married pretty young. And so I probably was a little immature in many ways. And and what I did, you know, I had these feelings of inadequacy. I didn't realize that was my issue, really. I, I what I what I realized or what I did instead was try to blame everybody else. Mm. And I tried, I looked at my circumstances and I would be like, well, if only I had more money to buy all the perfect curriculum, then, you know, this would go so much better. And I, I would blame my husband for not supporting me in the way I thought he should be doing, even though I didn't actually ever express that to him. Uh, (laughs) you know, so I was, I, I, and, and I would also, um, just get mad a lot i know some people will go to sad and and beat up but for me it was anger i, I was angry a lot and, I, and then i'd get mad at the kids for not performing like i thought they should
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know so a lot of stuff like that it was making me so frustrated because i would be like you know come on i'm a reasonably intelligent person i think I should be able to figure this out. Why is this so hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think a big part of that is because I I had to grow up a little and realize that um, it was me. (laughs) We'll just be honest. It was me that really just needed to take responsibility for, for some of my mess and to learn too that um, with all these emotions I'm having, I had to figure out how to process those yeah. too, instead of just being angry at people because you know, and a lot of times people would probably be a little like worried to be around me because they didn't know how I was going to react mm-hmm. and how I was going to explode. So yeah. I, I remember though that part of this navigation was just knowing. That I had these amazing kids mm. who obviously weren't perfect because no kids are, but I, as their parent, you know, you can see that potential and you are just like, wow, I do not want to fail this kid. Yeah. And so I started studying and reading and listening to all the things that I could to see if I could figure out, mm. you know, how to make these changes. And after curious, a while, I'm oh, curious
0: what. What resources did you listen to or read that you found helpful for you in your journey when you were starting?
1: Yeah, that's good. So I feel like I'm kind of an old mom because 20 years ago, we didn't have a ton of internet. Yeah. I knew we did. But, you know. it was very different than
0: than the kind of resources that homeschooling moms have today I can say I'm so thankful to be able to homeschool in the age of Facebook groups and, and, <laughs> yes, and Instagram yeah. and all this
1: which is actually good and bad because I think in a way today's um, climate on the internet is it, it makes it a lot easier for us to compare oh that is true know, that and is go true. look at all the Pinterest perfect moms and and be like, oh. you know, yeah, the yeah. Pinterest perfect moms that aren't Pinterest
0: perfect. Cause none of us are like that a hundred percent of the time, but you're right. It is easy to, to look at, you know, what people portray on social media and feel like, you know, you're comparing yeah. yourself to the perfect image. Um, when all of us have our moments of anger and frustration and sadness and wanting to pull your hair out and cry yeah. and laugh all at the same time. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. So some of the things that I did was, you know, I would go read books, self-help books and stuff like that. I would read like, um, I remember this one story actually specifically that has stayed with me all these years in our church magazine. And it was about a lady who, um, who (laughs) just had a really bad temper and She learned how to manage it and how to change it. And that just inspired me so much to say, wait, maybe there's hope for me. You know. (laughs) How did she do it? Um, I'm curious to hear the story. I know. And now that I said it, it's really stayed with me. Now I'm like, can I remember the details? (laughs) I do remember that she decided that whenever she started feeling angry, she was going to start saying a little prayer Mm. to feel calm. And she said that um, after she had practiced this for a little bit, she got her temper under control. And so, and, and I thought, huh, you know, that, that could maybe work for me too. (laughs) And, And really it did gradually, but it took way longer than I wanted it to which is like most of <laughs> yes, Very things. Well, and you mentioned something else
0: that I'm sure probably contributed to, to your feelings of anger and frustration. You mentioned at the very beginning when you started, you had this um, very, you know, strict plans and stuff that you, it, it sounds like you were trying to kind of duplicate school at home, which I know a lot of families think that homeschool is exactly that. They think that homeschool is doing school at home. And most people start out with a a plan or a schedule very similar I mean I know when I first was thinking about homeschooling um, I had a schedule and I built in lunch and recess and you know breaks um, literally just like a school schedule that I had used in my own you know classroom uh, from nine to three we were going to be at it just like the kids in school and um, I'm so glad glad that I did not do that. But I'm sure that having that approach really um, contributed to a lot of that frustration that that you were feeling and also that your children were feeling because as you mentioned, um, doing school at home doesn't work. And homeschooling typically does not look like that. Um, So I'm curious, can you share a little bit more about how your journey has evolved from that school at home kind of process to what it looks like now, or I guess how you how you changed or adapted that so that it wasn't so frustrating for you or for your children.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I was also gonna mention too that one of the other resources that I oh. um, tapped into too is other homeschool moms. Yes. Because they are the ones that can give you that voice of reason <laughs> to let you know that all those beautiful plans you're making it's okay if they don't work. Like, I, I love making plans, I really do. I'm just really kind of weak at uh, implementing them, you know, initially too, but also the very fact that our kids may or may not want to do it like that can make a big difference. And so what I, when I started out, I literally had probably 12 different subjects, maybe 16, I can't even remember now, uh because I'm like I want to make sure we're covering everything because I do not want to fill this kit right and that's kind of what we think and so yeah I would make these elaborate schedules but we could not stick to them because life yeah (laughs) life just really just happens and and you know in a public school sitting it, it works because you can move from subject to subject because you got the bells and that's just the expectations but when you're at home, you have all sorts of other things you're responsible for and you may have other kids and you may, um, you know, have a meltdown where if somebody throws a tantrum, and I say may, you will, uh, you know, it's just gonna happen. And, and that, those are things that don't really happen so much in school because the kid knows they have to be on the best behavior and it's just kind of how it is, right? And so I had all these different things that I I, I wanted to do with him, and um, kind of ignoring my preschooler, and <laughs> because I was so intense on making sure that this school-aged kid was getting um, you know what he needed. And so I, um, but like I said, it wasn't working because I would pull out the curriculum, and the, the curriculum would say something like write three sentences to describe this pencil and my son would say well that's dumb why do I have to do that yeah and I yeah. kind of agree with him <laughs> like, I don't know but you have to because that's what it says yeah. you know yeah. that's what I thought and I I remember that very lesson because I made him do it and it took us two and a half hours Wow. And do you think he learned <laughs> Some good writing skills there? No. No. Probably not. And after that, I was just like, okay, this has got to change. Right. Wow. That's such a powerful (laughs) realization
0: because I, I feel like I kind of had that a very similar realization when I was teaching. Um, and and I was looking at the stuff that we were I was having my students do in the school system. And I and I just remember thinking, like, who cares? Like, why am I forcing them to do this stuff? that has no practical relevance in their actual day-to-day life like why are we wasting when we waste our time we waste our life cuz time is our life that's all we have and yeah. and it was very present to me that by okay. making them do this i was literally wasting their time and that was wasting their life and that and i mean how intuitive for your child even as like a, an ele- young elementary school kid to be like this is dumb, you know. Why, why does it matter? What, how to describe a pencil? You know, like there, there are a million things that you can describe. And just like you said, when when we're trying to force our kids to to do something that isn't important to them, it will take two and a half hours. Like literally, something that could take could have taken him five minutes to do if it was something that he enjoyed. And now this same activity is taking two and a half hours and a lot of frustration and heartache and and all of that. What a powerful realization that both you and your son had.
1: Yeah, totally. Because really it, the other problem was, is we were totally in a power struggle Yes, and I won, but did I really, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of, it, I was like, man, if I have to do these power struggles every single day, I can't go on like this. So what I did was, is I started saying, and this is hard to do too, because I was like, but I'm doing it the right way. I have, I, and I'm spending time to make this, these plans, you know, but I had to say, I think my plans aren't working. Yeah. And that's hard to do because you don't want to fail. Right. Right. Yes. And so I, I started doing more research and asking people and, praying and pondering and trying to figure out what to do. And I finally had this thought come into my head that I should just read aloud to him first before we did any of the other curriculum. Because before what I was doing was was he loved books and I would use that as a bribe saying, okay, once you finish this, 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 then I'll read out loud to you. Mm. But we almost never got to the read aloud (laughs) because, you know, It would take forever. Mm -hmm. And so I I scrapped that idea many times in my head and said, that's not gonna work. And then I thought, well, you know what? What I'm doing isn't working. So let's try it. And so I flipped it and I started reading aloud to him first. Mm -hmm. And I realized after I started doing this that this was gonna change things, even though this looked nothing like what the public school system was doing. And this is why it's because number one, he was interested. Yeah. And when a kids are interested, they're going to learn. And it doesn't matter if I'm checking off the boxes of what they say he should know at a certain age. Mm-hmm. And number two, it totally improved our relationship because now we have this amazing shared experience where we could um we we could love these characters together mm. and and watch them on their journeys. And so that right there was a big shift for me to start listening to my own intuition and start acting on it, and just start doing the things that we loved because he's gonna learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, one of the things you said in the first part that you shared was you talked about wanting to make your son a genius, but then you realize that he already is one. And I, I feel like that's such a powerful statement because I think a lot of us parents, we have that pressure of, like you mentioned, seeing the potential in our children and wanting them to be successful and wanting them to be something great. But we miss the fact that they already are great, exactly how they are. And I love how you realized that by doing something that he loved, that he was learning and he was learning quickly and he was learning in a way that was enjoyable. And it sounds like that experience of reading together really wasn't just something that was beneficial for him, but it sounds like it was really beneficial for your relationship with him. Like, it sounds like it was really a time of connection between the two of you. Um, Would you say that 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 was true or?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I can tell you too, that if I was always trying to be the taskmaster and make him do stuff and and button heads and being the power struggle all the time, trying to make him learn, Mm -hmm. I was gonna burn out fast. (laughs) him too i'm sure (laughs) yes both of us and so when we when when you put the emphasis more on building the relationship and believing in them and knowing that they're going to keep learning wow it changes everything
0: you know it It really does really does i i'm i'm curious i know that was the beginning of your journey i would love to know how did his story end up where is your son at now
1: oh yeah yeah So, um, you know, actually I'll back up a little bit too. I ditched the curriculum for writing (laughs) because what I found is that he was going to learn on his pace. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I did instead was when he had something to say, I would write it down for him. And by the time he was about 11 or 12, he was dictating, uh, novels to me because he didn't have the motor skills. And I think this is very, very common for boys. He did not have the motor skills to be thinking at the same time as he's forming letters. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would, um, write, write it for him. And then he'd get kind of tired of waiting for me. So he'd record it if I was busy, you know, with the other kids and I couldn't write it now. So then after he, I recorded it or he recorded it, I would type it up later, but then he decided, you know, I don't want to wait for mom anymore. And so he decided to start writing himself. And so he became this amazing writer and we did no formal writing curriculum when he was young. Wow. And he also ended up writing some fantastic um, essays to get into college and he got full ride scholarships. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. That's really
0: cool. And I, I love the fact that you said that, you know, he had this desire to want to express himself. And that at the beginning, you were the one that helped him write that down. And that's something that I've, I've shared with homeschool parents numerous times, because I think we, even for myself, I have this idea that practicing writing or developing my skills as a writer looks like me being the one to have my pen or my pencil to a piece of paper. And it really doesn't. When we can like step back and look at what is writing? Writing isn't putting a pencil on a piece of paper. Writing is expressing yourself through the written word. And just like what you did, that was brilliant. I mean, you realize my son doesn't have the motor skills to sit down and write this out himself. um, And so I'm gonna help support him in expressing himself, which is the goal of writing. I'm going to help him by expressing himself because I'm going to do the pencil to the paper part and let him experience the power of writing by speaking out his words. Um, I mean that that's absolutely brilliant, and I, I definitely recommend that that parents. Consider that, you know, that if your child, if you want to encourage your child to love writing, give them that freedom to not worry about being the one to put the pencil on the piece of paper, um, have them dictate to you, just like you said. And then if, if you can't write fast enough or you can't type fast enough for them, that's what inspires that desire for them to want to learn how to write on their own. Um, but I think being able to give our kids that freedom to get their thoughts out and to have even if it's supporting them by doing, you know, writing it for them or typing it for them, or even now they have the text to speech, or I'm sorry, speech to text software. Um, That's really helpful. If your child wants to use speech to text software, do it. Um, You know, the goal is not necessarily that they're the one that's putting the pencil to paper, but that they are communicating with with the written word. And however they get it to the paper, um, that's not as important as the thoughts that they're trying to communicate, so. Thank you for, for for bringing that up. So, and so you mentioned he got these scholarships to college. Um, I know that's a big fear of a lot of people too, that, oh my gosh, how is my kid going to go to college if they're homeschooled? So I would love to hear about how that worked.
1: Yeah, for sure. And going back to the writing really quickly too, is really what we don't understand is that it's two different skills, handwriting. So he kept practicing handwriting all those years, that he was dictating to me, but then we also have getting the information from our head out too and and talking, talking it out from our head to communicate, right? So that is why I realized I'm like, yeah, that's why it took us two and a half hours to write these things because first off, he didn't really care about the topic, but also his motor skills weren't there. And I made him write those three sentences. Oh, it was torture. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So um, back to getting the um scholarships and everything. So for him, being a first child, he was very motivated. And <laughs> so basically the way I saw myself was I was more his facilitator than the, the knowledge filler. And so when I started shifting my thinking like that, I'm the guide on your journey. I'm the one that's going to help you go on your journey, not the one that everybody else is telling you have to take. Mm -hmm. Wow. That took such a big load on me because all I have to do is look at him and go uh, and just remember his potential and remind him when he forgets. Mm -hmm. And then I just find the resources and and facilities that he needs. And so when he was in high school, he decided that he wanted to um, get his associate's degree during high school. So I went and figured out how to do that. And I didn't do it for him, right? I just figured out the elements that he needed. And um, he went ahead and he, um, he studied for AP tests at home and passed... Uh, eight of the nine he took. And he also um, took some classes in the school system because uh, that's what you'd have to do to get your associate's degree here in our state, but you know you have to take at least 20 of the 60 credits there. And so that's what he did. He That's what he wanted to do. At the same time, he also learned that he loves speech and debate. Mm. And so um, he did a ton of that. And then he studied for the ACT, which you can do and take it as many times as you want and got a really good score. And so that's how he got his scholarship to, into a really good school.
0: <clears throat> wow. So, that's, that's incredible. I, I love to hear, um, I'm, I'm kind of at the beginning of my homeschooling journey. You know, my daughter's seven, she's almost eight. Actually, by the time that this episode releases, she'll be eight. Um, But yeah, so I'm, I'm at the very beginning and I love to talk with With parents who have graduated their homeschoolers already because I feel like it's so helpful even for me just to be able to say okay there's there's light at the end of the tunnel um they they do make it they can be successful um and and not only be successful but I feel like he, he really had an opportunity to thrive. I mean, getting his uh-huh. associate's degree while he was still in technically in high school and um, being able to have scholarships and seeing how motivated he was to study and study for the tests and stuff. That's, that is wonderful. And I love how you said that your your view of yourself really shifted from I'm the knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm the knowledge filler, I think is, is are the words that you use to, being the facilitator of providing him with the resources that he needs to get to where he wanted to go in, in his life. I, I think that's that can be the challenging part of looking at our child as you're on your own unique journey. And, and my job isn't to make you meet my expectations or anyone else's expectations, but to support you in where you want to go in your
1: life. Um, yeah, totally because what I really did was shift it the whole focus away from me mm-hmm. to him. Because that's what I was doing initially. I was so caught up in this idea of that I have to prove that I can homeschool him. Yeah. And, and it was all about me, really. And, and I was and on my fears about failing and, you know, all that. And once I could shift this to focus on him and, you know, all the rest of the kids. Wow. <laughs> it made life so much simpler. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I know that your your
0: oldest was very highly motivated. I'm curious, what did homeschool look like for the rest of your six children?
1: Oh yeah, and actually I wasn't even done with that kid. He went ahead and he oh. uh, also served the two-year mission for our church. Oh, wow. he, he also uh, traveled the world. He, he went on a six week, um, uh, no, I can't think of what you call it, but you do it in college, you know, whatever. Uh, trip (laughs) and then he also um, study abroad or study abroad thank you (laughs) and then uh, I think COVID kind of sometimes gets some extra glitches in your brain (laughs) with words anyway and then he um, ended up marrying another homeschooled girl Uh and he uh, bought his first house and now he is going back to school to get his MBA on full scholarship too oh my gosh so i mean that's amazing so that's the super motivated kid right so now you're like oh what if they're not all super motivated motivated and they're not that's the thing right so but they still do amazing things and I, i am still gonna be there to help encourage them so like my next daughter she was going to get her associates because she saw her brother do it but then she had this opportunity that came up where she went to go live in ecuador for three months and be a nanny. Mm. And so that was something she had always wanted to do. So she kind of scrapped the idea of getting the associates, but she still got some college credits the same way. And then um, she decided to go to cosmetology school while she was still in high school. So she did that. And then she used that as a way to pay her way through um, college to get her degree in that way and so now she's married they've bought their first house and um her husband's actually going to MBA school too now so she's working to put him through so she's doing great things um yeah and then my next son is um uh, let's see he served a two-year mission for my church as well and then now he so he learned Spanish and then now he's back and going to school to, he's just trying to decide what he's going to do. But this kid, um, one thing that he really got to do during high school a lot was um, get into construction. Mm. And so like he built our shed and he's, he he loves uh, hands-on work. He's just really a hard worker that way. And so he's doing great things. And then my next daughter that's 18 is, um, She, um, she wasn't really hmm, as academic as maybe my first, which is okay, you know, but she danced for 15 hours a week. And then she decided to get her CNA license for nursing, um, during high school. And she also got a bunch of college credits. Actually, my, my, I forgot my third son also got his associates as well. And then she, um, now is working in a retirement home and she's going to college to study nursing so um they're all doing great things and then i still have three younger ones at home yes what are the three little ones up to or younger ones up to (laughs) okay so um my 16 year old is also a dancer so she's doing a lot of dancing but then she's also um she loves to read she reads, 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 reads a ton. And then I have a um, 13-year-old who um, loves sports. (laughs) And then um, he also, he would never say he loves math, but I think he does. Uh, (laughs) And the nice thing about that is he can move as fast as he wants, right? And so he, um, I don't even know what grade he is. I guess he's in seventh grade. But because he really likes math, he's taking a pretty advanced math class. And I don't even know what it is. But anyway, yeah, you know, so he's doing that sort of thing. And then my youngest is 10. And she, I'll tell you, this kid is the most creative kid I have ever seen in my life. But that also means she's also very messy. But (laughs) we're working on that. Um, but she also i have been so glad that she's homeschooled because she has really struggled with the reading. And I know sometimes you're just like, oh, my kid has to be way far ahead, but they don't. They don't because it's on their own pace, right? And we finally discovered, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying, but we finally discovered she had some pretty good vision tracking issues. And so um, she's finally started to read. But had she been in public school, she would have been labeled, Yeah, you know? But she totally is fine, right? And it, it, it's her pace and it's okay. Mm. So yeah, that's what she's up to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's amazing. And thank you very much also for bringing up the aspect of reading. Um, I, I totally agree. I think that in school, we really push this idea of early reading um, because when they're in school, it really is the only way that we have to have them learn things um, by having them read. Whereas in homeschool, reading isn't the only way to learn stuff. Um, We're able to learn through life and through our experiences and in all these other different ways. And um, actually I was doing research about natural reading and, and kind of when children naturally learn how to read and, um, and I learned that the average age for children to kind of learn how to read on their own in like a natural environment is somewhere between eight and 13, I mean, eight and 13. And um, that is very, very different than, you know, in the school system where we're forcing four and five-year-olds to start reading. Um, and I mean, there are countries, I want to say in, in Sweden, I think, where they don't even start reading instruction or formal school instruction at all until they're seven. And um, so it's, it is interesting that we feel this pressure, especially when it comes to reading and math. I feel like those are the two areas that parents are super worried about. My child has to read and do math. Um, But being able to recognize, as you said, that each of our children are kind of on their own pace, they're, they're on their own path and whatever their path is, is okay. Um, I think that's a really powerful message to be able to communicate to any, any parent, um, and also like you mentioned too, that if she were in school, she would have been slapped with a label. Um, I was, I was a special, I am a special education teacher and, um, and we do a lot of the children in public schools that I see that are labeled as special education. Um, I really don't think that they are, but, you know, it, and, and that label of being special ed can be very harmful and very damaging for children, um, so I'm glad that you were able to to recognize that your daughter was, you know, maybe struggling, but then also provide her with the help that she needed to be able to to learn how to read in her own pace in her own time without making her feel like she was less than or not, you know, good enough. Um, so thank you yeah. for.
1: Well, yeah, and one thing that I always like to tell her too, and she was like, "Wait, how come I can't read yet?" I'm like, "You know what? You're gonna get there. You're going to get there in your own time." It, it's it's kind of like a garden. You know, every single seed is going to grow at a different rate, and they're all going to give off their own fruit. But it, some plants grow a lot faster than others, and some grow bigger than others, and so and and none of it really matters because they're all fulfilling their measure of creation. They're just doing it in their own timing. Mm. And and you know, for that her she was like, really, okay, cool. And at the same time. I would just read, 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 read out loud to her. And so she loves reading mm-hmm. even though she couldn't do it herself. Wow.
0: You know? and that's fascinating. Like to see children that love reading, even though they can't do it themselves. And, and I, I feel like that's a really important message to communicate too, that, um, that our children can love something, even if they don't have the ability to do it by themselves yet. And it doesn't, I, that yet is, is really important. And I think if we can hold on to that yet and support them as you're doing with you know, reading aloud to her or um, you know for children that love reading, I think audiobooks are another really great tool if you're not always there to be able to be the one to read to her. Um, I know that we love audiobooks and um, one of the other things that I tried to do to encourage reading was we would put like subtitles on the TV. Uh, so we, we never watch TV unless there are subtitles on there. And having subtitles for us, I think was really helpful in just encouraging literacy and being able to see and recognize words. Um, but there are lots of ways to foster a child's love of reading without, um, when, when they may not have those skills to do it by themselves yet.
1: Yes, absolutely. Totally agree with that. And that that's, you know, that's the whole thing that is, you know, in my journey, I, she's number seven. So it was a lot easier for me by then to know this, you know, but, but I just, I knew she would read when she was ready, Mm. you know, I, I knew she would. And so we would practice and, you know, sometimes she's fine doing it. And sometimes she didn't want to, because it was too hard. And so I had to use my mom intuition to know when to push and when to say, you know what, we're going to take a break Yeah, and that's okay. We don't have to keep going just because the curriculum does. Yes.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. So in case you missed it, we do not have to keep going just because the curriculum does. That is that is a powerful. I'm gonna like hang that on the wall somewhere, you know. Um, yeah, and 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 even you know, well, we're unschoolers, so we don't have any formal curriculum at all. Um, but I would add to that, we don't have to keep going just because I think we should keep going. Um, and you know, so for those of us that are unschoolers that may not have a specific curriculum that we're following. Um, knowing that, as you said, using your mom's intuition, because it it is that delicate balance of, um, using that intuition, because there would be times when my daughter was reading that I just, I intuitively knew that, that she was in a space that it was okay to let her struggle with the words of like figuring out what the word meant or figuring what it said or sounding it out or, um, you know, whatever that looked like for her process of figuring out the word. Um, And then there were times that she needed some support like so i could help her with like processing the reading and then there were other times that you know she just wanted to enjoy reading and so sometimes when she would pause because she was like stuck trying to figure out a word sometimes i would just read it for her you know like if she was getting frustrated with the figuring it out Um, for me it was more important that she would love and enjoy reading than that I'm going to make you struggle to figure out this word and then we forget what we were reading about in the first place because she's lost you know trying to sound out this super long word or whatever Um, and and it it was it was like this beautiful dance almost when we were doing reading together in that way because I could just sense you know that okay she's getting to a spot where she's stuck and I'm just going to fill in for her and and then we'll just keep going and then there wasn't that power struggle that you mentioned. We could just really enjoy the book that we were reading and enjoy the characters that we were learning about um, without having a lot of that frustration and those, that negative feelings and the negative energy um, when it came to our reading time together. So,
1: yeah. Yes. I, yes, I love so much that. yes, that's good. <laughs> well, because really one thing that I discovered, you know, when I was trying to copy school at home and then try to find my flow, my rhythm as a homeschool, school mom, you know, was that I was focusing on the wrong thing. Mm. I I was focusing on getting it done and checking off the box instead of focusing on creating good feelings. Because when you have good feelings, you can learn so fast, you know? When when you are feeling frustrated, you you have to know when to take a break Mm -hmm. and when to push through because if you're frustrated, you're not learning. Yeah. If you're bored, you're not really learning. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I realized, you know, it's for me, my biggest job really is to facilitate the environment here and the feeling in our home. Mm, That is so true. I think if we
0: can focus on, like you said, creating environments that are happy and fun and engaging and connected and even relaxed and enjoyable, um, that is what, fosters true learning. Because as you mentioned, if, if they're feeling frustrated and upset and angry, like they're they're going to avoid whatever is causing those feelings, you know? And I think that's why um, I was reading a statistic the other day that was talking about the fact that a lot of people that go through school, by the time they reach 12th grade or whenever they graduate, a lot of times they never pick up a book again after that. Um, and I think it is because in school they've been taught that. Reading is something that your teacher has to force you to do, um, and, and it's just we kill that love of reading through through force and and frustration. Um, but if we can have reading be something that is relaxed and enjoyable and fun and interesting, um, then then that's what it inspires that that love of reading to continue.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's one of my big goals is to help my kids learn how to love learning. Mm. And then once they love learning, well, probably before that too, but also to teach them how to discipline themselves, to learn, to make themselves learn the things that they may not initially like either. And so if we love learning and we have learned how to make good habits and we can learn how to make good choices about doing hard things, then, oh my gosh, we're set for life. We can learn anything we want. Yeah. And that's the only two things I really have to focus on teaching the kids, and you know what? I don't even do this perfectly at all, <laughs> and they don't yeah. either, but you know what? That That's to build the foundation to help them mm-hmm. have that solid foundation to build on for the rest of their lives, because I don't want them to ever stop learning.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love that too, that cultivating that lifelong love of learning. That is the mission of, of homeschooling, I feel like, um, and parenting, whether you're a homeschooling parent or not, but um, but especially with a homeschooling parent, we want to cultivate a lifelong love of learning. And I would definitely be amiss if I did not ask you this question. Um, I'm homeschooling two kids right now. I, my my oldest, well, like I said, she'll be eight. My son is three. Um, so they're they're very young. But I would love to know, and I'm sure my audience is wondering too, how on earth do you homeschool seven children at the same time? I know a lot of parents are terrified about having multiple children and how they're going to meet the needs of the individual when they have all these kids that are different ages. Um, And usually we're talking about two to four children. Um, How did you do that with seven children? Uh,
1: That is a really good question. And I did not know the answer to that myself either. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, Family styling homeschooling really helps because and and a lot of people are like, well, how do you do family style homeschooling when you've got one in third grade and one in fifth grade and they're all different levels and all and really this is how we will all learn at whatever level we are on. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how old we are. Okay. So even if moms, they're gonna learn with their kids at whatever level they're on too. Okay, and so for family style homeschooling, you can totally learn everything together, and that's really what I do with Building Heroes Academy—is I show you how to cover all the basics in just an hour a day, because I went through all the Common Core standards. Yes, I'm that nerdy that I read them all, because I was like, you know, Common Core is kind of a big thing. It's a little controversial. It's a lot of people, and. Um, I thought, okay, I'm going to read them, and I'm going to see what is in there, and so I read them all, and I'm like, well, these are all good things to learn, for the most part. I mean, I may not want to spend as much time on this as the schools do, and I want to spend more time on this, or whatever, but overall, you know, it's all good general knowledge, but I went through, and I realized we can learn this all together really quite quickly. Mm-hmm. We can learn this in just an hour a day, we Because when you look at the school system, they have to have so much repetition to make sure that all the kids are getting it. Mm-hmm. And repetition is their main learning style, right? But if you're interested, you learn so fast. And right. if you can figure out how to connect it to yourself, wow, the epiphanies that come in and you're like, wow, that's so cool. And so that's what I did is I went through and I, was, I picked out all the main topics Because I've done both sides where I tried to do all the school-at-home stuff, and I've also done the unschooling where I had no plan whatsoever, and I thought, I want a little bit more than just no plan. I I want to actually have a little bit of plan to make sure we're kind of covering some of the basics, and so that's what I did, and so um, I created this curriculum that's an hour a day, and over five years, you're going to cover everything between K through six, And seven and eight, too, probably, actually. So um, as you, it was really just, I created the system so that we could make sure that we were covering all the basics. But what I found, too, is that when we're teaching all of us together, we're all learning at whatever level we're on. Mm -hmm. And so we're still learning it. And we're going to repeat it again anyway after that, because that's what schools do anyhow, right? We just keep shooting it.
0: That is so true. I remember I was tutoring this girl once she was in eighth grade and we were, I was tutoring her in math. And it was so funny because the assignment that she had in her school that day that she was doing in her math class, it was literally, she was learning about functions. It was literally the exact same assignment that I was doing with my 12th graders um, literally on that same day. And she, here, she was in eighth grade, taking an eighth grade math class, doing the exact same thing that I had done that same day with my 12th graders. And the ironic thing is the skills that they were doing in that same lesson I had also taught when I taught fifth grade math. Um, and so seeing that I was just, I was, I was mind blown because I was like, okay, here she is in eighth grade. She's going into ninth grade. And she's doing the same lesson that she did in fifth grade. And I told her, I was like, you're going to do this again when you're in 11th grade. And again, when you're in 12th grade Um, and you're, you're right, the school system operates off of that repetition because and they have to repeat so much because it's it's stuff that we're not using on a day to day basis. And so people forget how to do it because. I don't know about you, but I'm not really doing functions on on a daily basis. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not like multiplying fractions or dividing fractions. Like that's not a part of my day-to-day life. And so they they do, they have to build off of that repetition. And I I love that you mentioned that every person, including the parent is going to learn based on the level that they're at. Um, I I think that's a really important piece too. I, I know that for a lot of parents, they do get intimidated about, especially about homeschooling through the high school years, because it's like, oh gosh, I don't remember algebra two. I don't remember chemistry. I don't remember physics. You know, how am I going to teach my child this if I don't know it? Um, but I, I think going back to that attitude of I, as a parent, am capable of learning this too. And I might be learning it right alongside my child, um, but we can learn it together. And um, that that's, I think that's, that's absolutely wonderful of being able to be open to the fact that your child is going to learn what they need at based on the level that they're at, and they're going to have opportunities to practice it again in the future. So if they don't get it all the first time it is, it's more than okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing too, it's like repetition is a methodology of learning. It's just that in homeschooling, you don't have to repeat it as much, yeah. but you can keep repeating it because you're going to learn it at a deeper level every time you go and revisit it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah.
1: And um, I wanted to ask you another
0: ahead. question too. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. Oh, actually, go ahead. You can finish your thought.
1: Well, I was just gonna finish the other half of uh, how we, how I can homeschool seven kids all at the same oh, time. Oh, yes, yes, right. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. So part of it's family schooling, but part of it is also helping them go on their own paths and empowering them to learn at their own paces too. So I have my kids practicing skills And when you practice skills, you can usually do them in like short, um, practice sessions. It doesn't take nearly as long as the amount of repetition they do in public school, because you can give them the skills to practice at whatever level they're at, whatever they're ready and willing for. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like you can have them practice skills like handwriting because that's an individual thing, right? I can't really do that family style, I guess I could, but, you know, I could just say, Hey, do one page of handwriting practice today, because there are some things that really do just take repetition to gain that skill for it's the skill things, knowledge things. You don't need as much repetition for when you make it really interesting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's the family style stuff that you can do. So for individual skills, like a lot of people say, well, how do you learn math or or for family style? You know, "How, how do you learn math? Well, we, what we do is we learn it from a historical perspective and, and learn why we have math. And we learn all the stories and we go through the whole creation of, um, of our math, um, whatever you call that, steps, you know, how, how did we develop all this stuff so we know why we have math. And then when the kids are ready and willing, they can practice the math facts and the math skills at whatever level they're ready and willing for and it goes way faster because they have good feelings about math because they know we why we have it. Mm. Now of course that's the ideal and it doesn't always work like that but yeah. that, that does that is the process to mm-hmm. to speed up math learning. <laughs> yeah and
0: for for people that are interested in in diving deeper into that I actually found a really great program that is free um it's called U cubed I don't know if you're familiar with oh, you yeah. I love Cubed. okay great yeah. um yeah so can you share a little bit about U cubed and what what that is and I'll make sure that I include a link for U Cubed because this is an absolutely amazing resource I shared it with um, my students when I was teaching in school because I I agree with you mm-hmm. Molly that that understanding our feelings around math plays a huge role into how much math we are able to learn um, and and how we interact with math. So can you share a little bit about
1: YouTube? So Joe Bowler is the one that started that. She was a math professor like at Stanford or something. I can't remember, I think it was Stanford. But anyway, so she started this, but she realized that part of the big problem we have in this country with math is that we are just pushing the kids and trying to check off the boxes and move them forward on that pace that the standards have set, And that by the way is why the common core standards really are controversial is because the things that are being taught are are, are all the things that they say in common core standards, it's not like they're bad or horrible or whatever. The problem is, is that we're trying to say they have to learn it at certain levels. Yeah. And it doesn't individualize it and it doesn't allow kids to learn at their own pace. So that's what makes them really hard to work with. But when we can just learn the topics, we're good with that. Anyway, so um, back to U cubed, she, um, when you do look, okay, back to Concord actually, when you look at the math, they actually start um, a lot of the math concepts way earlier because they figured that would give them more repetition. The problem is, is that the kids aren't fully developed yet to do a lot of those levels so at the beginning the kids are starting to be pushed through all this math that's too hard for the brains to handle yet because they don't even develop their logical thinking skills till like 11 to 14 Mm -hmm. and abstract thinking and so a lot of that math gets pushed early and so what happens is they develop these really negative feelings about math because they can't do it because they're not ready yet i mean some can right? But not all of them can. And so we have this big problem where they're like, I hate math because I can't do it. You know, we like doing the things we like doing because we're good at them. So anyway, so what she did was she uh, studied a lot about math and found how much our, our, what we think about math and what we feel about math affects our math, um, uh, how much we like it how much we do it and how good we are at it and so she developed that website to help give kids a growth mindset about math that they can if they don't get it the first time that's okay they can keep working at it and also to help them think more mathematically as well and make it fun with games and things so that is a really great resource for math for sure
0: yeah Yeah. Um, And you mentioned another resource that I would like for you to kind of share a little bit more about. You actually run a business called Building Heroes Academy, and I absolutely love your website. Um, I would love if you could share a little bit more about Building Heroes Academy, um, how you created it, what that means. And yeah, just share with us a little bit more about how that could be a resource um, that could be helpful for anyone listening.
1: Oh, great. I'm glad you like my website, because I'm actually about to relaunch it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's not a lot of information on it, but it is about to get relaunched. So that's that's good. But um, okay, so what I did, and I, I mentioned earlier that I created this curriculum so that you could learn all the basics. It's just an hour and a day. And what I also did with that too, is I, I wanted to make it family style so that You could have those shared learning experiences together so you could build the relationships and build good feelings about learning all together. So, um, so I created this curriculum and then I also, um, created a membership for moms where, um, I help you, um, build the foundation for a solid homeschool as well, because, um, what I really based the reason why I called this building heroes I should probably explain that that would make a lot more sense um (laughs) when I was going through all this stuff trying to figure out my groove I came across this pattern of the hero's journey and you probably have heard of it if you're an entrepreneur or an English major okay (laughs) so in 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 Um, the 1980s or so we had Joseph Campbell who introduced this idea of the power of myth and he's the one that codified the hero's journey because he had he loved myths of the world and he'd been studying all these different myths from all these different cultures and he saw that they all had these similar patterns in these stories even though they didn't even know about each other like the ancient Greeks and maybe Chinese or whatever and so he called this the hero's journey and um, the hero's journey, it's, you know, it's cool to find in literature if you're the English major. And then if you're the entrepreneur, you're gonna know it about because that's how they stay to market is to tell the hero's journey. Um, but really for me, when I discovered this pattern, it clicked with me that this was really the pattern for our lives and this is the pattern for our homeschool. And this is the pattern for our kids. And so actually, You know, I'll share my screen and show you this on my website, and I can explain it to you about how I related it to homeschool and why I started the business this way. Um, Okay, so hopefully you can see that. (coughs) So basically, the way this works is that you, the pattern goes, you start off with an ordinary person here at number one, okay? The ordinary person is just going along, being ordinary doing ordinary things. Right. Um, and then one day the hero will get a call to action. And this call to action is usually something that, um, is uncomfortable to the hero and he doesn't necessarily want to do it. Um, and so we're going to relate this to the homeschool journey. Okay. So for me, I got this call to homeschool. (laughs) I did not really want to do it right so this call to action was uncomfortable to me because I didn't know how and I wasn't sure I really wanted to do that and but at the same time the call to action is to do something good something bigger than myself right and so at this, this call to action I was like yeah okay I feel like I should homeschool but I don't know and that's the next thing is the refusals you get all these refusals, all these reasons about why you can't follow that call to action. And for me, I was, I was way too disorganized. I didn't know how to do it. I wasn't sure if that was the best thing. It's kind of weird, you know, all these things. And what about socialization, right? So um, the next step on the path, the hero's journey, you might meet a mentor, you might meet another homeschool mom, or you might not, that might come later. Um, but then after that, you commit to action so there's something that makes you decide I'm going to do it okay and so for me I actually don't remember exactly what that was but I remember committing to do it because I remember I was going to practice homeschooling before I actually did it and I realized that didn't work because I wasn't all in (laughs) so it didn't work so then I committed to action So right here is when you journey into the unknown, it is unknown because you've never done it before. You don't know. And so this is the part that made me go uh, later on when I learned this was like, wow, what this pattern does is it makes things more predictable. It's totally predictable that my plan is not going to work. It's totally predictable that I'm going to run into obstacles that make me question what I'm doing. But the obstacles are there to help support me. Mm-hmm. and not oh, yeah. not support me but help me to learn and grow it's things I didn't know I didn't know that I needed to know
0: yeah
1: right so then also on this journey I'm also going to have a mentor which just is somebody who's been where I want to go and so they can give me good tips and then I'm also going to have allies which is other people who are on the journey with me like other homeschool moms and I would have enemies, which is really people who do not understand what I'm doing and may seem like they're trying to stop my progress mm. and say, You're crazy. Why would you homeschool? You're ruining your kids, right? It's going to make you question. But it's all predictable because it's all in this journey. And so when I realized that this really, I mean, we could finish it around here, but it, it's, it's a two, um, Two-level journey because you're actually doing the journey of homeschool, but you're also doing the journey of becoming. Mm. And so um, the, the rest of the story is as usual, you have this grand trial that makes you go want to quit and give up. And you, you know. <clears throat> but when you get through that, you realize the reward and it's all been worth it. Mm. And then you realize you are changed, you've been transformed and then like do it again. And so our whole life is a hero's journey and we have little hero's journey all the time, like just within the day, within the month, within the years as well. But we get these calls to action all the time and most of us don't even realize it because we refuse them. Mm. And that's when you step off the path. But when you act on that call to action and you do the hard things, that's how you really learn and grow. And so then I was like, that's homeschool. (laughs) Right? Yes, that is homeschool. (laughs) And so when I said, let's apply this to our homeschool, and I know that I have my own journey, like each of my own kids have their own journeys, and we just need to know the pattern, and I can be their mentor, their guide. Wow, makes it so much easier. And so that's, really why I created this business to help us as homeschool moms know how to navigate the hero's journey ourselves so that we know how to guide our kids and to be their guide on their journeys as well and not take over you know like we would like to do <laughs> so you're doing it wrong yeah
0: yeah And I I love that you talk about the hero's journey from the perspective of a homeschooling mom. Like that is, those are all the steps that you went through that you shared about in your own journey of being a homeschool parent. Um, But one of the other things that I really, I love about you too, is that you share that the hero's journey is not only about us as parents, but it is also about our our children. Our children have their own hero's journey. And so I'm wondering what does it mean to build heroes in your home with your children?
1: Yeah, and that's such a good question because what does it mean? That's what we're all trying to figure out. And what I'm trying to teach is that what it means is that I, as a parent, I wanna go on that journey myself. So I know what it feels like. So I know how to get around the obstacles. So I know how to navigate that path so that I can share it with my kids. Because, you know, one of my big calls to action was to start the business. And for me, I could have said, I don't have time for that. I have seven kids. That's crazy. (laughs) I mean, it is, but, you know, that's what makes it an adventure, right? That's the cool thing. It's an adventure. Yeah. And, and, um, so as I'm going on my journey and learning how to apply that, then I am gonna be able to do that for my kids and to build them up. So what it means to build heroes in your home is to learn how to navigate the journey, to learn by doing it. It's not a do as I say, not as I do a thing. And then it's also um, believing in them Mm -hmm. and learning how to um, guide them, but also to teach them how to navigate the journey themselves as well, because when these things come up, I can be there and say, oh, looks like you just hit an obstacle. So what are we gonna do? What's your game plan? You know, the world's not over because you just hit something hard. I mean, at the same time, I can show sympathy and (laughs) whatever, but I can also show them this is predictable. This is part of the plan. And so what building heroes to me means to, to raise good kids who have good character who have been training to go on this journey who can go on the journey and not give up when it gets hard mm-hmm. but then the other part of being the hero is really taking what you've learned and serving others and using it to help others because that's what heroes do mm.
0: wow that's powerful and um i i'm i'm curious how can the building heroes academy like if, if someone's hearing you talk about Building Heroes and they want to be a part of Building Heroes Academy, what does that look like or what does that involve? Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So there's really the two parts. Um, you've got the curriculum, which is going to help you find that happy medium of way too much school but and versus just let the kids run around doing whatever they want. Um, <laughs> it's because it gives you a plan to cover all the basics in the hour a day. And that's set up, it's all based on the hero's journey. So what we did is we connected all the academics back to themselves in the hero's journey. So everything you're learning is going to connect you back to the hero's journey. So for example, um, you're gonna be reading books and finding the hero's journey in there. You're going to be learning about history and math and you're gonna be learning about science and you're going to connect all those principles back to the hero's journey. So that's how it connects it back to you. And when it connects to you, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. because we're all interested in ourselves yes yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> can you but, can you give me an example of how you would connect the hero's journey to like science or math I mean I can see it in reading and in history but I'm I'm curious about how you do that with science and math
1: yeah for sure so like let's say you're studying volcanoes okay so You could learn about the structure of volcanoes and all the different types of volcanoes and that too, but we can also connect it to say like emotions. Mm -hmm. How would a hero deal with their emotions? Would they be like a volcano and explode all over everyone? Or would they figure out how to manage those emotions so that they could love other people Mm -hmm. and not explode all over everyone? (laughs) So things like that, but you would be amazed at how everything can connect back once you start practicing this. It is super cool. And in like um, math and science too, we always have heroes that we'll be focusing on like scientists and mathematicians and stuff too. So we can look at that and compare their hero journey to, um, to yours even. And you can look at their life and say, okay, so this mathematician, um, this is the story of his life, what obstacles did he face and how did he uh, get through that obstacle and that sort of thing. So you're always talking about that and you're always learning from the stories of history because history is the story of our lives. Right. Right. And that's what connects to us. That's
0: that's fascinating. I I think that that is definitely something that is missing in, um, in in schools in general. Um, have you heard of the the essay, the mathematician's lament? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, if you have not heard it, if you're listening, if you've not heard that yet, I will share a link. I actually that was the very first YouTube video that I ever made. I recorded myself reading the mathematician's lament, um, and I left it there didn't advertise it came back and it had like 2000 views a couple months later I was like oh that's cool and so that's actually kind of what inspired me to to have a YouTube channel like focus on you know spending more time making cool videos but um but the mathematician's lament I think one of the things that I got from that was the fact that the way that we do math we don't tell the story behind Mm -hmm. the math like you mentioned we don't tell you know someone discovered these concepts someone wrote these formulas um and and we really don't know like who was behind that and how did they learn a quadratic function you know like the equations for quadratic functions or the equations for light or sound or speed you know like how did they discover these things and um and yeah so that that's really Cool. I think that's very interesting to look at, you know, again, kind of combining all those subjects together. You're looking at math, but it sounds like you're also including history and reading and all of that in the study of, of math, which I think is really fascinating.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's totally fascinating. I always like to say that, you know, we have the calculation skills and that's what I count as the individual skills, but we don't have the magic of math. Like math is fascinating when you start diving into it like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's what we do in the curriculum. And then the other part that I do too is I really wanted to support moms on their hero journeys. Mm. And so especially homeschool moms, because there's a lot of hard things (laughs) that come into play. And so what I did is I went through and I was like, okay, what are the most foundational pieces that helped me the most? Um, to get to this place where I, I love homeschooling and, um, and it's working, right? And so that's where my Hero Journey membership comes into play. And so every month, what we do is we make progress on our Hero Journeys.
0: Mm. Wow. That sounds like a beautiful community. Like, so is it a group of moms and that you all kind of talk together about your own individual hero journey?
1: Well, we do that, but every month we have a challenge in one of those areas that I identified because really, and I can just tell you what they are. Um, for homeschool moms, when we can build the strong foundation in relationships in knowing how to homeschool and shifting your mindset to homeschool mindset, That's the next one. And then um, having order in our home and having um, routines and systems. And the last two, I think we have another one on, oh, now I've forgotten, but organization. And there is one more good one that I probably should have looked up before I started saying them, but it's probably because there's six of them. But, But those basic, basic things mm-hmm. that every mom is going to need to work on, yeah. We, yeah. we work on those every month and we rotate through them mm. w- with a slightly different um, angle every time, because those are things that we just need to keep working on building every time, because that's what I call hero training, because it's those skills that are going to help us get through the journey more easily. mm And then everything we talk about, we connect back to our hero's journey too.
0: I love that. That is, that sounds so fascinating. I'm definitely curious to learn more for myself as well. Um, And I'm wondering if someone is hearing you talk about this and they want to learn more, they want to connect with you, Molly, and the work that you're doing, how can people do that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I have my website at buildingheroesacademy.com. And then that's also my Instagram handle is at buildingheroesacademy.com, not com, not dot com. And uh, my Facebook page, you can find me on there as well. And I also have a podcast called the Building Heroes Podcast. So I'm on all the channels there.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And I will, again, be sure to include the link for all of those things. So you can find Molly on, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Um, it looks like you're on Google podcasts as well as iTunes podcasts. Um, so I will make sure that I share all of those links so that you can get connected and you can start building heroes in your own home, just like Molly did.
1: Yes. And you're already doing it too. And so that's, that's where I can help you is help you recognize that as well, because that's one thing is that I think moms sometimes homeschool moms, especially really, um, don't give themselves enough credit for what you're doing. So you're already doing it. And so I would love to help you take you to the next level.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so very much, Molly. And before we go, I always like to ask my guests if they could share one piece of advice with my listeners, um, that you have learned on your journey and your own hero's journey. Uh, what would
1: that one piece
0: of advice be?
1: Um, that one piece of advice would be probably to just start choosing to believe that you are enough to do this Mm. because, and, and it's a choice. It's a choice that I had to start making every single day to believe that you are the perfect parent. You're not perfect, but you're the perfect parent for your kids, Mm. that you're enough to do this.
0: I love that. Thank you so very much for that reminder. That was beautiful. All right. And to all of you that are listening today, I want to thank you so very much for joining us for the peaceful world schooling podcast. Molly, I feel like I could talk to you for hours more, um, but I definitely want to be sensitive to your time and I would love to have you come back. as a guest in the future as well. I hope that to those of you that are listening, that this episode was as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Um, Make sure that you like and subscribe to this video here so that you'll be able to follow up with other um, episodes of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast. And I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. Make sure you check back in next Tuesday and I will see you then. Thank you. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.